Bibles, if you want to go over there to Judges chapter 7 in the Old Testament, Judges chapter 7. Uh, I wasn't here last week, but before that, I'd been teaching a series of messages on Wednesday nights about deliverance. And we've been talking about deliverance, and we've been getting into the scriptures about it. Because we know that there's a lot of excess out there in the body of Christ today when it comes to this topic of deliverance. Now the good news is, is that there is a true New Testament ministry of deliverance. Amen. The power of God. And when we, when we say the word deliverance, we're talking about uh, being free from any sa- satanic hold or, or bondage. Uh, we know that Jesus came and he set us free. Amen. We know the Lord said over there in John 8, 36, he said, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Right? We remember Psalm 107, verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We are redeemed. Hallelujah. You know, but yet, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ, especially amongst Pentecostal services, they, they don't believe we're free yet. You have to get more free. You got to keep getting delivered and re-delivered. Aren't you glad that Jesus says it's a finished work? Aren't you glad for Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, God who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. How good is it to be translated out of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son? It says who God has delivered, has delivered. We know this, that deliverance is a 100% past tense reality. It is already done. You aren't going to get any more free than being free in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, the thing that we know that maybe you can say so with a greater persistence. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's your job, right? That's my job. That's what we're called to do. And that's what's going on is a lot of Christians are walking around saying, I need to get delivered. I need deliverance. I need deliverance. What, wasn't Jesus good enough for you? Well, wasn't that shed blood at the cross of Calvary? Wasn't it enough? Wasn't it enough that Jesus took his holy blood and marched himself right into the heavenly holy of holies, approached the heavenly Father? God looked at that blood and he said, that's good enough, that is full redemption. Amen. And those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. They shall be delivered. They shall be set free. Now go to the whole world and tell them how free they already are. Glory to God. Amen. You know, but yet we're living in the days and the times where there's excesses in this in, in deliverance ministries. And they're going around with their deliverance questionnaires and people that have a specialized deliverance ministry. You know, now praise God, like we said, for the true deliverance ministry. You know, but we're living in the days and the times where there's Christians that are out there that they believe that demons have to be cast out of Christians all the time. Uh, but yet we don't have one account in the New Testament or Old Testament, for that matter, of any demon ever being cast out of a Christian. Not one. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, that helps us to know that, doesn't it? Amen. You know, and, and there's this idea that Christians have out there today that wherever you go, you know, uh, demons can just jump on you like burdocks or something. No, the, we, we saw over there in 1 John 5, 18, it says, Whosoever is born of God sins not, and he guards himself, and the wicked one touches him not. That's right. Hallelujah. That's right. That's right. The Bible says it's your job to guard yourself. Right? What does the Bible say over there in James chapter 4 and verse 7? It says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right. right? Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I give unto you power and authority yes. 
to tread upon serpents and scorpions. He's not talking about critters in the desert. No, no. <laughs> He's talking about devils and demons. He said, I've given you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. That's right. Nothing, nothing shall That's by right. any means hurt right. you. Nothing. Glory to God. Depression isn't going to hurt right. me. Addictions aren't going to hurt me. Glory to God. Sickness isn't going to hurt me. Poverty is not going to hurt me. It says nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, of course, if you fail to say so, if you fail to use your faith and your authority, well, you know, uh, it's not going to be God's fault, is it? No, we understand it's our part to use our faith, our authority. Jesus is not going to resist the devil for you. God is not going to resist the devil for you. Amen. Hallelujah. We know that it's our job. We have to get up and say so, right? Amen. So we've been looking uh, at this topic of deliverance, and uh, we've been teaching uh, about the deliverance ministry in Jesus. Now, we also saw that Jesus just couldn't turn on the gifts of the Holy Spirit as he wanted to. You know, there's people out there today saying that they can work spiritual gifts whenever they want. Uh, No, if Jesus couldn't, you couldn't, right? We saw there in Mark chapter 6, because of the people's uh, doubt and unbelief and their dishonor for Jesus, it said that Jesus there could do no mighty work. That's right. Jesus wasn't the variable, the people were the variable. That's right. But the unbelief of the people tied the hands of God, even though God wanted to perform miracles, he wanted to heal, he wanted to bless, he wanted to set free. Amen. The, the unbelief and the doubt of the people restricted him from doing so. That's right. And notice that Jesus just couldn't turn on the working of miracles whenever he wanted. He needed the faith of the people, right? We saw that he couldn't just, uh, 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 says that he could only, uh, what, uh, heal a few sickly folk or minor conditions, right? He couldn't even, uh, he couldn't even uh, operate healing at the fullest extent because it's not something, the gifts of healing isn't something that you can just turn and turn on and turn off like a switch, uh, unbeknownst to some people in the body of Christ today, that they're teaching you that they can, you know, uh, uh, turn on these gifts of the Spirit whenever they want. No, 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 you can't. You have to uh, 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 wait for an unction of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we've been, we've been, we've been looking at this. Tonight we're going to get into uh, the root of our deliverance. Of course, we know Jesus has delivered us and set us free. But we're going to start talking about the principle of how to stay free. Hallelujah. How to stay free. And we're in Judges chapter 7. Let's read the first three verses here. Now, you remember the, the, the account of uh, Gideon. Remember how Gideon was called of God to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. The Midianites were a very powerful nation, they had a very strong army. Israel was at a backslidden state. They were disobeying God. And uh, God raised up Gideon to deliver them and to bring them back into right standing with God. Right? And so we pick up the account in chapter 7 and verse 1. It says, Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon? Gideon also was called Jerubbabel. And now just for a little side note, I want to hear something fun. Do you know what Jerubbabel means? I know you probably haven't named any of your children Jerubbabel anytime soon. But you should. It's a great name. The, the name Jerubbabel, which they gave that name to Gideon when he cut down a false idol named Asherah. I know I'm going into... I like some of this historical stuff. Asherah was the goddess of procreation, and she was supposedly the wife of Baal. You remember Baal? 
the false god that uh, a lot of those nations worshipped. Well, how they would represent Asherah is that they would literally make these totem pole-like, you know, uh, false idols. And uh, if you read back there in chapter 6, God called uh, Gideon. He said, go and cut down your dad's Asherah. Because his dad had this big totem pole in his yard. Now, if you read the King James Bible, it says the word grove. You ever seen that, how they would set up groves to these false gods? It doesn't mean a bunch of trees. A grove means a totem pole, okay? Like thing, you know, not a Native American totem pole. You understand. A totem pole-like false god, all right? And so Gideon went over there, and he hacked down his dad's totem pole. Because God said it was the goddess of procreation, which is a false god. God had really, you know, of course, as we all should, had something really against Asherah, right? And when Gideon did that, and his town and his neighbors all discovered that he cut down uh, Baal's wife. (laughs) You know, you don't like somebody cutting down your wife, right? And so uh, 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 Gideon did that. And the people of his city and town, they gave him the nickname Jerubbabel, which means one who Baal has to contend with. I like that. I'll tell you what, when they start telling you, you're the one that the devil has to contend with. Now, notice it wasn't the one that contends with Baal. It's the one that Baal has to contend with. I like that. If you literally look up that word Jerubbabel, meaning that uh, this guy is Baal's problem. This guy is a serious threat through Baal, and we know, of, co- of course, who's the power behind Baal. We know him as Satan, right? I'll tell you what, I like that. They even, the people of his neighborhood started to recognize, uh, boy, the, the devil's going to have a problem with this guy. Amen. So a little side note there for all you Jerubbabel folks. So before you laugh at one of those names, you know that they have some real significant me- meaning. Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, hallelujah, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Mori in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves or pride themselves against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, God looked at the armies of Israel, and he said, there's too many of you. Because if you go and win this victory, they're just going to think that the strength of your numbers was the reason why you won. And they they won't give God the glory like they should. Now, watch this, though, in verse 3. Watch how God thins the army. Verse 3, it says, Now, therefore, go to proclaim in the ears of the people. Now, remember, Gideon is like this war general. And he gets up in front of this standing army. There's 32,000 men there. So that's the population of the city of Jamestown. So this is a large group of of people. And he is shouting over 32,000 people here. Now look what he says. Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from the Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people 20 and 2,000, and there remained 10,000. Do you see what's going on here? God said, God said, go up and just, just proclaim to them, if you're afraid or if you have fear, go home. And he stood up, and Gideon shouted out, if you have any fear 
or if you're afraid of the Midianite army, just go on home back to your house and 22,000 out of 32,000 said, yeah, I got fear, I'm out of here. 22,000 out of 32,000 left. More than two-thirds of this army was unqualified for victory because of fear. Two-thirds of them were unusable in the sight of God because they were afraid. When God looks to thin his army, when he looks for Christians who, who, who will be used or will not be used in the things of God, the first thing he looks for is fear. Is there fear in them? Have they adopted a spirit of fear? Have they welcomed a spirit of fear? If they are, they're not fit for the master's use. They're not fit for the Lord's army. The first thing that the Lord did, he whittled down two-thirds of them. 22,000 men all raised their hands and said, I'm going home because I'm afraid. Here's the root of our deliverance. God knows that he cannot get us free and keep us free until we deal with fear. Go with me in your Bibles now to the New Testament and let's see this for ourselves. Let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Amen. I'll tell you what. When, when God calls on his people and when there is a victory to be had, and when he asks, all right, now, before we go and we win this great victory, we got to find out who's afraid first. You know, I tell you what, I don't want to be one of those people that has to go back and go sit on the sideline, go get on the spiritual junk heap, be unqualified or disqualified for victory because I have let a spirit of fear in my life. I'm not going to be sidelined by fear. Right, right, right. I mean, think about it. They were, they were all willing, because if you read this, the chapter before, we see that every single one of them, that they, they came out knowing that there was going to be a fight. I mean, they were recruited as an army. They knew that they would, they would have a, a, you know, they brought their weapons, they brought their spears, they brought their shields. They were ready to go. He said, but if you have fear, go on home. Because you can't be used. You've got to go sit at home, and the, the, the 10,000 now are all that remain. And if you go on even further... God reduces his army significantly down to 300, but we're not going to get into that right now. Go to Hebrews chapter 2, let's go to verse 14. And we've read these verses earlier in this series, but we're going to get into it again. Verse 14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. Now we are the children. Do we have any children of God here tonight? Amen. So it's talking about you. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, meaning Jesus, he also, likewise, took part of the same, meaning Jesus was made flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Now, aren't you glad the devil's been destroyed? Aren't you glad that his real power is all gone? He's stripped and whipped, right? Amen. Now, look at verse 15. It says, and what Jesus did, and to deliver them, meaning us, who through Fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So now we know what is at the root of all bondage. It's fear. Fear is at the root of all bondage. When I say bondage, I mean anything that would hold you back. Any kind of uh, 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 satanic captivity. 
any kind of, uh, 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 whether it's depression, anxiety, if it's sin, if it's addiction, if it's uh, 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 sickness, if it's disease, right? The root of all satanic and demonic bondage is fear, right? Now remember, it says up in the verse before that, it says Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. Now, how was it that Jesus was going to destroy him who had the power of death? He destroyed fear. He came and redeemed us from fear. And as soon as he redeemed us from fear, the devil no longer had any means of getting a hold of our lives as long as we're delivered from fear. The moment, we're, the, moment the power of fear is broken over us, the power of bondage is broken over us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad. So it tells us how death gets its place. Death just means destruction, right? Destruction, destroyed. How does destruction start to take root in the life of a believer? Fear. Fear. Fear will do it. We're going to tell you how tonight how to stand against fear. How, I'm going to tell you tonight, you don't ever have to walk in fear ever again. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live by fear. Hallelujah. I tell you what, when the Son has made you free indeed, He made you free from fear. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So death gets its place through fear. We could not be free until fear had been put away. Jesus, one of the main things Jesus dealt with at the cross is He took upon Him the fear of humanity. Right? He carried our fear, right? He was... It was uh, we did esteem him smitten and, and, and stricken of God. He was bruised for our iniquities. He carried our griefs and our sorrows. That would be fear included in there. He carried fear away so that humanity would never have to fear anything ever again. And he tells us what's the most significant thing that humanity fears. Humanity fears death. Humanity fears the idea of dying. Guess what? You don't ever have to be afraid of that either. You don't have to be afraid of dying. You don't have to be afraid of sickness. You don't have to be afraid of disease. You don't have to be afraid of of poverty and anxiety and depression. You don't have to be afraid of a bad economy. You don't have to be afraid of having too little uh, uh, money. You 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 don't have to be afraid of gas prices. You don't have to be afraid of your government. You don't have to be afraid of anything. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, we need to understand this. Just like faith is to God, fear is to Satan. Okay? Right? Just like faith prepares the way for blessing, fear prepares the way for curses. All right? We know that faith will will prepare you for blessing. The more you walk around, the more you say, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. The more you use your faith and say, I'm redeemed, hallelujah, when you walk around and you're just releasing your faith and say, I am the the healed of the Lord, I'm the blessed of the Lord, I'm highly loved, highly blessed, highly favored. You hear me say that all the time because I'm always saying that. I'm always telling God, I'm highly blessed, I'm highly loved, I'm highly favored. Glory to God. God loves me so incredibly much. He's made me more than a conqueror through him that loved me. If he spared not his own son but delivered him up for me, how shall he not also freely through him give me all good things according to Romans 8.32? Hallelujah. Amen. That's right. But just like 
Faith prepares the way of blessing. Fear prepares the way of curses. I've always said this, and I'm going to say it again, that the fear of a thing is worse than the thing itself. You know, I, I mean, what do you think this economic collapse is about? What do you think, who do you think is behind that ultimately? Now, of course, we know that, uh, 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 you know, Satan is, is, is working to try to deplete the resources, uh, not just of America, but of the, the Christian church that is here. And all this is all of this. What do you think the Great Depression was about? Yeah. What do you think the Cold War was about? What do you think the idea of a nuclear holocaust, what is all that about? It is to instill fear into the people of the world. Because once there's fear, once there is a solid foundation of fear, the devil can have a greater movement upon the earth. Just like if there's a strong foundation of faith, God can have a greater movement on the earth as well. It takes faith to move God's plan forward on this earth. Faith moves the plan of God forward. People that are constantly speaking words of faith and, and declaring faith, that moves the plan of God forward. Well, fear moves the plan of the devil forward, right? So we understand that just like faith prepares the way for blessing, fear prepares the way for curse-like living, right? Faith is the doorway for, to blessing, Fear is the doorway to destruction, right? Many people, they don't realize that they don't have a depression problem. They don't have a sickness problem. They don't have a poverty problem. They have a fear problem. So many times, I can't tell you the countless number of people that have come up in healing lines or when we've ministered by the laying on of hands or whatever, and, and, and so many times, the anointing doesn't go into these people. And, and, and they, they come away and they don't see the manifestation of their healing. Right. Or if they do see the manifestation of it, it'll last for just a few days. And they wonder why. What, what, what happened? They don't realize that there was a spirit of fear that had to be dealt with first. I'll tell you what. Fear is a, a hindrance to the power of God. It will stop the power from flowing. It is, a, it is an inhibitor of the power of God. And so many people, they're wondering, how come I'm not getting healed? Because there's a spirit of fear in place. You know, I can't tell you how many times uh, I've been in the hospital. And I'm there to visit somebody that we know or that I know. And, and as soon as I get into that, that hospital room, you know, I'll get ready to, you know, to, to, to get praying or, or, or whatever. And the Lord will deal with me and he'll reveal to me that there's a spirit of fear there. I'll tell you what, you can lay hands on somebody, you can pray the prayer of faith, you can anoint them with oil, you can, I mean, you can believe God, but I'll tell you what, unless that spirit of fear is dealt with, there's no blessing coming forth. Because fear is how the devil keeps people in bondage. And as long as that person has adopted that spirit of fear, it doesn't matter how many scriptures you quote over them. It doesn't matter how many times you lay hands on them. It doesn't matter how many pastors you get to go visit them. It doesn't matter how big the anointing that's on a man or a woman of God is. It doesn't matter how many times they listen to the scripture CDs. It doesn't matter how many times uh, uh, you know, they listen to, to Christian music or anointed music or whatever. It doesn't matter. That spirit of fear is the root of their bondage. And see, the devil is sneaky. And he knows that. And people don't realize that, you know, they, they don't realize how they never got into faith. They only stayed in hope. 
See, I'll tell you what, faith and fear can never live together, but hope and fear can. You know that? You know, there's no such thing. Once fear is in place, there's no faith in place. But there's a lot of people that, see, they're not in faith, they're in hope, but they're also still in fear. Because the, the, the human definition of hope is, I hope things get better. I'm not sure if they will, but I prefer that they do. That's what people say is hope. Now, that's not the Bible definition of hope. The Bible defini- definition of hope is clear and pure expectation. Okay? It means cheerful endurance. That's what the Bible definition of hope is. But we take our human carnal definition of hope, say, I don't know if it's going to get better. I prefer that it does. I'm afraid if it won't. See, hope and fear can still live together. But once you move hope goes into faith, faith and fear cannot live together. That's why you can't stop at just hope. You have to go on to faith. You have to go on to a place. I tell you, I talk to people all the time. Well, if God wants me healed, how come I'm still feeling that way? If God wants me healed, how come I still have these symptoms? If God wants me free in my mind, how come I'm still suffering uh, uh, from feelings of depression and anxiety? Listen, 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 listen. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. You can't consider the feeling. I'll tell you what, what if you wake up one day and you don't feel saved? You know what I mean? What if you wake up and you don't feel blessed? What if you wake up and you don't feel that God loves you? Are you waiting for a feeling? Stop waiting for a feeling because that feeling might not ever come. It might not ever come. That, that, that feeling might not ever come. Where you just, God isn't waiting for you to feel blessed, feel saved, feel healed, feel delivered. He's waiting for you to say so. He's waiting for you to say, I am. I don't care how I feel. The word says I am, therefore I am. If the sun set me free, then I'm free indeed. And it doesn't matter what the thoughts are going on. It doesn't matter what the symptoms are going on. If he calls me the heel of the Lord, then I'm the heel of the Lord. You know, some of you are waiting. You're led by your natural feelings. You're led by sight. The Bible says we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. See, I mean, it's the most simple uh, a principle of faith that you can't go by what you see and feel. But yet, that's what Christians are doing everywhere. Well, I don't feel this way. It doesn't look like this. Well, I guess God must have lied. Because that's what you're saying. <laughs> Deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Subject to bondage. Notice we were subject to bondage. That word subject is the word for slave. Aren't you grateful for the great emancipator? People credit Abraham Lincoln of delivering this nation out of the, the slave trade, right? Of the, of the 19th century and so on. And praise God for that. But I tell you what, there's a greater freedom. There's a greater emancipator. There's someone that came and, and purchased our lives out of demonic and satanic slavery. And we were, we were. We were subject, meaning that we are no longer subject or slave to bondage. I'm not subject to bondage. I'm not subject to addictions. I'm not subject to feeling miserable. I'm not subject to defeat. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, get a hold of this. It'll change your life. (laughs) 
But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people, they don't ever receive the blessing of God. They go up in healing lines. They show up for church. And they show up for church. They go to the healing line. They, you know, they, they, they believe God, but they don't realize it. They're only in hope, and fear is still there. If fear is still there, you will not receive the blessing. I, I've heard people say, well, what if I go up and I don't get it? I, you're in fear right there. You're afraid of not getting something. You're afraid that God's not going to do what he said he would do. But Abraham said that he was fully persuaded that whatever God said, he was also able to perform. And he can, not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body, yet dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's room, but grew stronger in faith, giving glory to God. Didn't you notice that passage over there? I was quoting Romans chapter 4. Did you notice over there it says to consider your body is called weak faith? Yes, you're right. He said he, said he was not weak in faith considering not his own body. Yeah, 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 yeah. Abraham was 75 years old when God said, uh, you're going to have a, a child, and Abraham had no child. 75-year-olds don't have too many kids, even though, well, they were then. I guess they still are kind of now a little bit through the help of some drugs and whatnot. But then Abraham had to wait another 25 years. He was 100 when Isaac was born. 100 years old. And it says he grew not weak in faith, but grew stronger in faith, giving glory to God. I mean, think about how he probably looked at himself and said, well, I'm 75. Well, can't look at that. Doesn't matter. God said I'd have a kid. Ten years later, he's 85. Well, can't look at this body. You know, neither the deadness of my wife's womb. Can't look at that. I got to go on what God said. 95. 20 years later, I mean, if there was anybody that had a, 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 an ex- good excuse, so to speak, I mean, there's no such thing, but you know, I'm talking from a natural carnal standpoint. If someone that said, okay, it's been 20 years, it would have been a miracle at 75, I'm now 95. It said he still didn't consider his own body. 99 came rolling along, 24 years out, still not considering his body. Think about that. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Healing and other forms of deliverance won't work if the fear doesn't get dealt with first. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Fear. And we're going to teach you tonight how to resist fear. Glory to God. Some of you are so afraid, is it going to work out? Well, the fear of it not working out is going to cause it not to work out. See, that, 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 I mean, what a trick. It's just such a trick. The devil would try to get you into fear of whether or not something's going to happen, and that fear of it, whether or not it's going to happen, keeps it from happening. The devil knows that he can keep us bound if we can walk in fear. Go to Romans chapter 8, and let's look at verses 14 through 16. It says, for as many as are led, everyone say led. led. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So there we see a definition of sonship, right? That's what it means to be a child of God, that you're just simply hearing the voice of God in your spirit, and you're doing what God tells you to do, right? Number one, through the written word of God. Number two, the spoken word of God to your heart, right? Amen. And number three, the people of God that he sets over your life to teach you and so on. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 15 is what I want to get to. It says, for you, you. Everyone say, me. That's what that verse is talking to. It's talking about us, right? Me and you. 
For you have not received the spirit of bondage again. Man, I like that. You haven't been put back into bondage. Now, I'll tell you what. These Romans, they were thinking that they were back in bondage because they were under a cruel Roman government. They were Christians in one of the toughest places it was to be a Christian. That was the city of Rome. All right? And he says, you know, just... Obviously, these Christians had every reason to think, naturally, that they were back under bondage again. He says, just so you know, you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again. You're not in bondage. That's right. Come on. He said, you're not in bondage again. You're delivered. He says, but you have received. See, I think that's interesting how he has to remind them. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have to be reminded what we've received. He says, just so, in case you've forgotten, you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That's right. Meaning that they were tempted to go back into fear. Right, right. He said, just remember, you haven't received the spirit of fear. You're not going to go back into bondage through fear. Again, telling us how bondage gets a hold of people, gets a hold of people through fear. People getting scared, scared of circumstances, the way things look, the way things feel, the way things seem, right? He said, but there's something else. See, here's the difference between God's family and the devil's family. He says, you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He said, this is what makes you different from the children of the enemy. This is the fundamental difference between God's family and Satan's family is whether you fear or not. Satan's family is subject to fear. They're held in bondage by fear. But we've been adopted by the Father, given a spirit of freedom from fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that there is a fundamental difference between the children of God and the children of the enemy. What's the key difference? Fear. What's going to set you apart from all the the things that the children of the devil are in bondage to? What's going to set you apart, whether or not you're in fear or not, right? That word adoption, it means sonship. God made us sons for the sake of delivering us from fear. Do you see what sonship means? When you're a son and a daughter of the, of the living God, you're free from fear. Yes. That's what it means. That's at the root of your relationship with God. You have now entered into union and communion with the Father. Fear is destroyed. You now have God as your Father. God is your provider. God is your Savior. God is your healer. You have, you have your Father, God, and you've been joined together with Him. You've been adopted. And he gave you the spirit of freedom and deliverance, (laughs) of freedom from the bondage of fear. Hallelujah. Right? Glory to God. Getting free from fear is to get free from bondage. If if you feel like you're held, if you feel like you are uh, uh, held by something, you know, there's people that, that, you know, they just start believing they're held. I'm held. This is the way it is, and this is the way it's always going to be. I'm always going to feel this way in my mind. I'm always going to feel this way in my body. I'm always going to feel this way in my finances. I'm always going to feel this way in whatever. You know, we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. Hallelujah. If you want to get free from that bondage, first get free from the fear. Yes. First, 
learn how to resist that fear. I'm going to tell you how to do that here in just, just a couple moments. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Hallelujah. Do you know that fear will hold people back more than physical barriers? That's absolutely right. I know this is kind of a strange, strange illustration. Believe me, don't get me wrong. I am not advocating for Adolf Hitler. But uh, do you know that Hitler, he had, he, I mean, he had the world on its knees. Do you realize, I mean, people don't understand this about World War II. We were at the brink of losing that war. We were outgunned. We were outmatched. The German equipment was far better than American equipment. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the one fundamental mistake that Adolf Hitler, he had Britain defeated. Britain was knocked out cold. But there was something, all, all Hitler had to do is cross, cross the English Channel, march into London. I mean, in, he, he would have had very little resistance. He would have taken Britain, and pretty much Europe would have, would have fallen, right? Uh, he, he was right there on, on that doorstep. But he had uh, an admitted, he admitted to having a fear of crossing the English Channel just with his troops. He just, for some reason, he had a hang-up. He had a fear of crossing that English Channel, so he delayed invading Britain by a year. And during that one year, the British Army rebuilt, and they got stronger again. And when they had, I mean, uh, when, when Hitler had Britain on its knees and was ready to be defeated, he, out of fear, he wouldn't go across that, that channel. I mean, seriously, do you realize it was that spirit of fear? I mean, praise God that the world didn't end up in Hitler's hands. But it stopped him. It, was, it wasn't because his army was incapable. I mean, he would have just run over Britain. I mean, they were defeated. They were knocked out. But it was fear that kept him from going on to, to capturing that land. It's the same thing. Uh, what happens with God's people is that here they have, here the devil's knocked out. The devil's on his knees. All that, all that he would try to hold you back from, it, it's defeated, you know. The, the, the fear of bondage, it's gone. It's wiped out. The power of death is destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Now all you have to do is cross the English Channel and go get it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what you have to do. You just got to go get it. Well, well, Pastor Tim, how do I go get it? With your words. Yes. With your words. Just constantly sing. With your words. No, you know, so many times I say to myself, I just take unto myself the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom and knowledge of him. I take it unto myself because it's provided for me. I take unto myself the provision that God has prepared in advance. The Bible says that, that the works were done before the foundations of this world. That all that you need is already provided. But it's going to take your faith. It's going to take you and your words reeling those things in. Go get it. Go get it. Go to 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. Familiar verse. But we're talking about being free from fear. Look at verse 7. It says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, aren't you glad, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Fear doesn't belong to us because God didn't give it to us. I never again have to claim fear fear right 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 because right. god didn't give it to me that's right god doesn't want you to have anything he didn't give to you he didn't give you sickness do you know that god doesn't make people sick have you learned that yet <laughs> i mean i'll tell you what unbeknownst to christianity they think god's out there making people sick 
well, if God's out there making people sick, we better go uh, destroy and demolish our local hospital because it's a house of rebellion. Because if God's making people sick and they're trying to make people better, well, then they're rebelling against God. Well, then I better never, ever see a doctor ever again. We better go take them out. We better go pick at the doctor's office. We better just hate them. We better hate hospitals because they're rebellion. (laughs) No, they're not rebellion. God wants people well. Glory to God. He wants people healthy. He wants people strong. Amen. God didn't give me fear, therefore I don't have to take it. I don't have to receive it. I don't have to accept it. I don't have to live by it. I don't have to live on it. Glory to God. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but this is what he did give me. He gave me a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind. Hallelujah. When's the last time you confessed that? I have the power of God, I have the love of God, and I have the mind of Christ. Praise the Lord. I have a sound mind, or if you have a newer translation of the Bible, that word sound mind would be also translated as self-control. How many of you have self-control in your Bibles? Do we have any? We have several. Uh, Aren't you glad God gave you self-control? He gave you self-control. When people say, I just can't control myself. No, you've been deceived. People say, I just can't can't stop doing this. I just can't stop making this mistake. I just can't stop watching that. I just can't stop drinking that. I just can't stop smoking that. I just can't. I'm hooked. I'm addicted. No, no, no. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Because God gave you a spirit of self-control. He gave you a spirit of self-control. Do you think anyone's going to stand before the throne of God someday and say, I just couldn't help it? God's going to remind you of 2 Timothy 1.7. You say, you could have helped it. You didn't have to do that. Maybe you were deceived in your mind and you thought you, you had to, but you didn't have to. Now notice this, fear is the opposite of power. All of these things in this verse are just the opposite of fear. God didn't give you the spirit of fear. He gave you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So fear is the opposite of power, right? Fear is what hinders the power of God. If you want the power to flow, right? Amen. If you want the power to flow, then you better start practicing staying free from fear. Hallelujah. Praise God. Notice that it says here that that fear is a spirit. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is not an emotion. It might register on your emotions, but it is not an emotion in and of itself. That word spirit there, it doesn't just mean a a feeling or it doesn't mean like the atmosphere. Some people kind of say, oh, there was a a spirit of praise in there. Like when they say that, they mean like an atmosphere of praise. Well, we understand that. But this word spirit of fear, it means literally a demonic entity. Fear is a demonic personality. It is literally a demon that has been given an assignment to try to give you an idea of being afraid. And so since it's a spirit and not a feeling, you cannot talk yourself out of being afraid. You know, modern psychology and stuff will teach people that. Well, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. You know, they sound like the cowardly lion. I'm not afraid of spooks. I'm not afraid of spooks. Right? 
That's literally the world's answer to fear. The cowardly lion. You know, you ever seen the, has anyone ever seen the Wizard of Oz here? All right, I got to think I was the only carnal person in the, in the group here. And remember, as they're approaching the, the great mysterious Oz, and they're going down that super long hallway, he said, I'm not afraid of spooks. I'm not afraid of spooks. Right? I'm really tempted to do the rest of my impersonation of the cowardly lion. But I won't. I won't do it. But that's, that's literally what Christians are doing. I'm not afraid of spooks. I'm not afraid. 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 You can't talk yourself out of fear because fear isn't a feeling. It's not a mental condition. Fear is a spirit that must be resisted with faith and authority. Yes. That's right. That's right. What if you had, uh, uh, I mean, you could use several illustrations here. Well, you know, you could, what if you had animals that were, uh, you know, getting into your garbage. Now, I use this illustration as dear and close to my heart because I've had raccoons tear up my shed and stuff like that. Well, let's just say I didn't bode well for the raccoons. My grandma would forgive me. She would forgive me now. (laughs) She's in heaven with Jesus. She has a completely renewed mind, and she would understand. (laughs) But, But anyway, if there is an animal that is getting in and destroying... Some of you are still laughing. I can't move on. I can't move on until, until the laughing stops. But imagine if an animal is getting in and destroying your property, you don't just sit there and say, oh, go away. Just go away. Just please go away. Please go away. Just go away. You can't do that. Okay, let's, let's get away from the animal thing because people, unfortunately, are more, are, 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 are more uh, sweet-hearted and tender-hearted for animals than they are people. Let's say it was a burglar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone, somebody, a person's breaking into your house. Oh, get them, shoot them, kill them. Take them out. Get them quick. We say, well, raccoon, oh, don't hurt the raccoon. (laughs) My goodness, I mean, I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail here, but I, I mean... Pardon the pun, I tell you what, that was, that was pretty good. I wish I could take credit for that. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, we're living in the days where we're athletes. Now believe me, I'm an animal guy. <laughs> I'm good to animals. I, you know, when they start costing me hundreds of dollars and stuff, well then out comes the shotgun, right? <laughs> But I mean, I mean, I, I am a sweet, tender-hearted animal lover, okay? But there is something wrong in our world when professional athletes can be indicted for murder and rape, and they're out of jail in six months, and we have a guy who did awful, terrible things to dogs, you know? I mean, he spent three years in jail. The world was crusading against the man. And I'm thinking half these athletes are speaking against him, and half of them have been uh, charged with, with drugs and, and uh, uh, I mean, terrible, awful things. Abuse. Because it's unfortunate that the world is more compassionate for animals than they are for people. Though we should be compassionate for animals. I got scripture. The Bible says that a righteous man does well regard his beast, right? Well regard his beast. I have a, cat. I have a beast at home. 
I'm, I'm good to that cat, my goodness. <laughs> but anyway, back to verse 7. Let's get off the tangent. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. I'll be honest, I don't know where I was now. <laughs> I was saying that fear is a spirit. Now let's say a burglar's coming in. And he's there to do harm. Are you just going to sit there and say, go away, just go away, just go away, just go away? No, because he's not a feeling. He's not an apparition. He's an entity that must be dealt with. Something must get up and run them off. That's right. That's right. That's you right. wake up, you start throwing on lights, you start racking the 12 gauge. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I was taking a gun course and this gentleman was talking about. I know I'm really on a tangent now. But uh, uh, I was taking this, this uh, gun course and um, this, this guy was talking about his favorite pistol. It was a Colt 1911, like this nickel plated. 1911 uh, 45 caliber pistol and he brought it to the class and he let everyone you know rack the action and it just has a real I mean a Colt 45 you know what I mean nice 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 real nice gun and uh, uh, he was talking about a time where he lived in a kind of a, a rougher neighborhood and he had three people breaking in through his front front door he said what he did he just grabbed his Colt 45 and he sat there on the stairwell right in front of the door that they were coming through and he pulled back the action, just pulled it back and held it. And as soon as the door opened, he let it fly. And they heard the shrink. And they all turned right around and went out running. Okay? I know it's a weird illustration. But seriously, when the spirit of fear comes barging into your life, it's time to pull back the action. Because there's not a feeling, there's not a thought that's going to run it away. You are going to have to use some authority and some power in the name of Jesus and say, no, 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 fear. I do not permit you. God has not given, me, given you to me. You don't belong to me. I resist. Now in Jesus' name, fear, be gone. Right? I had a friend that, that called me uh, just a couple months ago and he was, uh, lives right in Jamestown, lives in a decent neighborhood and everything. And he called me. Uh, he said, oh man, you know, uh, last night I was sitting there and all of a sudden I uh, his, his driveway is right outside his bedroom window and he said, I woke up in the middle of the night to this big puncture sound. Pow, pow. He woke up, looked out the window, there was two teenage guys just uh, uh, puncturing his tires. Just, you know, just taking knives and boom, boom. I mean, he's got a decent, nice new vehicle and those tires are probably a couple hundred bucks a shot, you know, and, and here he was watching and this guy, but it always laughs, you know, always makes me laugh because he was always a guy that was picked on for being super, you know, skinny and small and stuff in school. I know, don't, you know, don't need to remind me. I know I'm thin and all that. You know, people in glass houses, right? But listen, he was a lot smaller than me, right? <laughs> so, so this guy, he woke up and I, I really just gave him a lot of credit for his courage. I mean, he saw these guys with knives, driving knives into his tires. He just jumped up, ran out his door like, Hey! And he said those kids just heard him yell. I mean, he just yelled at the top of his voice, and they took off running. Well, what was it? It was the voice of authority. Yes. I mean, here they were. They were two guys with two knives versus one guy who is maybe 135 pounds. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? 
And so, I mean, they way outgunned him, you know, just naturally speaking. But that voice of authority ran him off. That's exactly what we do with the spirit of fear. It's, It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's an entity. It's a spirit. It's a demonic presence. You must run it out with your words. Hallelujah. So we see if we don't, if fear is allowed to have place, it'll hinder the power, right? Notice fear is the opposite of power. Fear is the opposite of love. And fear is the opposite of a sound mind, right? Fear is what hinders the power. Fear is what uh, uh, causes people not to walk in the love of God. And I have scripture for that. We'll just bring it up. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. Why don't we just bring up that verse? It says, there is no fear in love. You know, remember the, the big no fear uh, rage of 10 years ago? Everything was no fear. No fear sticker, no fear hats, no fear car ornaments, all this stuff. No fear this and that, right? I always made me think of this verse. There's no fear in love. Wow. So if you're in fear, you're not in love, right? You're not in the love of God. Now, what does it talk about here? It says, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. Now, what is it talking about here? It's talking about who has perfect love. God does. God's perfect love towards us should drive away the notion of fear. I will not be afraid. I cannot be afraid because I am so highly loved by the Father. That's that's what every Christian should be saying. I'm so highly loved, highly blessed, highly favored, right? I'm so highly loved, it casts out fear. Glory to God. Now, in context, it's talking about the dread of judgment. Do you know you don't have to dread judgment? Why don't you go back up there to verse 17? Well, while we're, while we're at it, we've had plenty of tangents here tonight. What's one more? Can you go up one verse to verse 17, please? First John chapter 4 and verse 17. They're on it. Praise the Lord. Eventually, it's coming. It's going, it's going. Looks like warning track power. All right, I have my Bible here. Because maybe we're having technical difficulties. (laughs) Let's just read it right out of the scripture. What do you say? It says, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Hallelujah. Everything that Jesus did, everything that he accomplished, he was so free from fear. You can be just as free from fear as Jesus was when he was on this earth. Herein is our love made perfect. We have boldness in the day of of judgment. Notice, when people start to get afraid, you know, it drives out that, that perfect love. If you have a, a revelation of God's perfect love, fear is going to melt and be destroyed under that. Hallelujah. Don't have to worry about judgment. Don't have to worry about anything. Glory to God. Now, also, notice that fear hinders the power. Fear is the opposite of love. But look at 2 Timothy 1.7 again. Fear is what destroys a sound mind or self-control. Here's what we need to understand. Fear that spirit of fear is out to cause your mind to lose its sobriety. Fear is trying to, to make your mind literally drunk with worry. Yeah, yeah. 
See, we think that the only definition of, of drunkenness is intoxication through alcohol or a drug or something like that. No, 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 no. The Bible does teach us that there is such thing as literally being drunk with worry, drunk with fear, all right? That fear is trying to get you to lose a sobriety, trying to destroy your sound mind or destroy your self-control. What do drunk people do? They make bad decisions, don't they? That's right. Right? They make bad decisions. What do people that are under the control of the spirit of fear, what do they do? They make bad decisions. Amen. That's absolutely right. They get afraid. They get afraid, you know, they lost their job. They get afraid of their financial situation. And now all of a sudden, they take a job that God told them not to. Right? They get, they get afraid of their, of their financial situation. They make a bad decision. They get in a job that takes them away from church, takes away their time to pray, takes away their uh, time for their family. They make bad decisions because a fear drove them to it. God never called you to get a job at the expense of your faith. He never called you to get a job to, at the expense of your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He called you to seek him out and, of course, work. You need to work, right? But he's telling us to make sure that we still put him first. I've seen people, they get, they get uh, so clouded with fear, they, they lose a sobriety. They marry the wrong people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they take jobs they shouldn't. They change churches when they shouldn't. They get uh, afraid of what people think of them. Oh, man, I tell you what, there's people that they're so afraid of what someone's going to think of them. Well, I told them, I, I told them, I, you know, I, I told them, and, and now I know it's not against, you know, I know it's not uh, uh, conducive for the things of God, but uh, they think I'm like that, and they think that's the way I should be, and that's what I should do, so I don't want to disappoint mom or dad or boyfriend or girlfriend or, oh my goodness, I've seen so many young people make so many mistakes with dating, because we're living in a time in a world that says if you're a young person and if you don't have a boyfriend, if you don't have a girlfriend, then there's something wrong with you and you should be afraid of being alone. I'll tell you what, young people need to, to uh, uh, take that time early in life, get built up on the things of God, get so filled with the Spirit of God that when their husband or their wife steps in their life, they know it instantly. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But I'm afraid. I'm afraid no one will like me. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. Someone, I, I got to be with somebody. I got to have a boyfriend. I got to have a girlfriend. I got, I got, got to, got to. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. Amen. People do that. Well, everyone else is having kids. I better have kids too. Oh, this happened. They, they did this. I've got, I got to do what they did. Oh, they got a new car. I better get a new car. Oh, they did. You know, people do that. They get so worked up, you know, of being behind or unlike someone else. Your goal in this life is not to be like somebody else. Your goal in this life is to be led by the Spirit of God, to obey the plan and purposes that He has for you. Hallelujah. Well, I'm afraid what my parents are going to think. I'm afraid of what my friends are going to think. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Well, then the power's not going to flow. You are, you've lost your sobriety. You're not made perfect in love. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Just so you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get ready to close with this. Proverbs 29 and verse 25. Just so you know, here's a good scripture for you to write down and to meditate on. The fear of man bringeth a snare. My goodness. 
But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So you could say it this way. It's dangerous to fear man. That means to care what people, other people think. It brings a snare. That word snare is a Hebrew word for trap. Being afraid of what other people think. It's a trap. Amen. It's entrapment. People do that. They, 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 they get themselves so backed up in a corner. They're so trapped. Oh, dear. Because they're so concerned what someone else is going to say, someone else is going to do. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I really could get on a, a soapbox with that one. But we won't. Go over there. You're in uh, 2 Timothy. Go back to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and we'll conclude right here. I see people stay away from church because they're scared of what people think. Just talking to someone recently. Someone said, you know, your church is one of those churches that believe in healing, but I have something wrong in my body, and if I go there, they're going to think that, you know, they're going to think there's something wrong with me. I mean, my goodness. Is that what the healing message is about? Do we preach healing to say that if you got something sick in your body, that that, that means that uh, we, we should uh, throw stones at you and, and cast you down? No, no, no. The healing message is to tell, what did Jesus say? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. Right? He said, I've been sent to heal, to help. Not to cast down, to hurt, and destroy people and make them feel blamed. Glory to God. Amen. See, what is that? That's fear. Well, I'm going to go there. What if I go to your church and, 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 and someone's going to think, you know, they're going to think something on me. It's a fear of man. Brings a snare. I'll tell you what. When you care so much about what people think of you, you will literally bring upon yourself the things that they're saying about you. It's amazing. It's like a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? You get afraid of something. You're so not wanting it, you get afraid of it, you end up getting what you didn't want because you were afraid. I'm so scared of what they think of me, and next thing you know, because you're afraid, because you're in fear of what they think, you become the person they thought you were. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the fear of man bringeth a snare, brings a trap. Oh, dear. There's people that they dread to see certain people. Oh, I don't want to see so-and-so out. Oh, I hope I go to the store. I hope I don't see so-and-so. Oh, my goodness. You're, you're living a life of fear. Oh, I'm dreading seeing so-and-so. I'm dreading talking to so-and-so. Oh, I don't want to have to come forward and admit that I did this or didn't do that. And, Oh, my goodness, you're afraid, you're afraid, you're afraid. That's why you're held in bondage. Hebrews 13, and we'll close here. So how are you going to resist fear? Just to make sure that you, you leave with this tonight. You have to resist fear with your words and with your authority. Yes. The spirit of fear. Now, just because it registers on your emotions doesn't make it an emotion in of itself. Okay, right? Just because you feel the air coming out of the air conditioning doesn't make it the air conditioner. Yeah, yeah, right. Aren't you glad there's not air conditioners flying out of the vents? <laughs> You're just feeling the result of the air conditioner. Sure, sure. that's it. Good. You know? Yep. Can people come into a building and say, well, that air conditioner feels, sure, you know, sure like that air conditioner. <laughs> yeah, well, really, <laughs> that's okay, you can laugh. 
I, I sound like we had a peep over there. I heard a peep. <laughs> you know, but what you do is you, 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 you feel the, the result of it. In the same way, that's what the spirit of fear does. It might register on your emotions, but it's not fear itself isn't the emotion. You're just feeling the effect of the fear. Amen. We're almost done. <laughs> I'm getting there. Verse 5 and 6, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conversation or your behavior be without covetousness. Oh dear. This nation could be blessed by meditating on that. I'd like to teach you what Bible covetousness is, but we're not going to do that right now. It says, and be content with such things as you have. Everyone say content. That's your goal. Does that mean you can't desire more? No. It just says be content with where you're at. Meaning don't let, content, you know, don't let contentment leave you. Because the moment you lose contentment, you are now subject to being stolen from. Just, just know that. Your defense, contentment is a defense. I mean, when you are content, I'll tell you what, the devil can't touch you. Contentment is our goal. Are you content? Yeah. Got to be content. Does that mean I'm not believing for more? I'm always believing for more. I'm always believing for more. I don't mean just more money. I'm talking about just more. I'm, believe, I'm believing for, for more people being saved. I'm believing for, for uh, things personally in, in my life, my home, my family. I'm believing for, for, for more healed. I'm believing for a greater move of God. I'm believing for buildings. I'm believing for finances. I'm believing, believing, believing. Always believing more, but I'll tell you what, I'm completely content right here now. I'm always content. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never... Here's, here's why you can be content. Because God said. <laughs> because God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why I'm content. You know, I, I think that's awesome. I mean, I have a, a marriage that is heaven on earth. Nine years, just a marriage that's heaven on earth. But my wife, as awesome as she is, She's not the root of my contentment. I am not the root of her contentment. My anything nice I have in my life is not the root of my contentment. The root of your contentment is because he has said. He has said. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why I'm content. Because no matter where I am, I have everything already. That's right. That's right. I will, he'll never leave me or forsake me. So when God's with me, everything's with me. That's right. When God's with me, prosperity's with me. That's right. When God's with me, health is with me. Yes. When God is with me, peace is with me. Yes. When God is with me, joy is with me. Yes. That's right. No, That's what, right. no matter where I go, I'm full of joy, That's right. full That's of strength, right. That's right. full of righteousness, full of power, yes. full of self-control, yes. That's right. That's full of everything that God is. God is never poor. He's never depressed. That's right. That's He's never sick. He's never lacking. He's never without. That's why I'm content. Meaning that I can be content with the way things are right now because I know as I go forward, they can only get better. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because God's with me. Well, what if it looks like things take a step backward? It don't matter. The end of it is going to be increased. Yes. That's right. The end of it. (laughs) That's why you're content because God said, I will never leave you. I will never depart you. I'll never forsake you. And all that I am is always with you. 
why I'm content. That's right. So, well, Pastor Tim, I'm not happy with the house I live in. Well, get happy about the house you yeah, live yeah. in. You'll qualify for a better one. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you know why? Don't you, think, don't you think God can build you a bigger one? Well, Pastor Tim, I'm, I'm just not happy with the car I'm driving. Well, get happy. Get thanking God for it. I don't care if it's the biggest clunker in the world. Right. Believe me, I've driven clunkers. <laughs> I, 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 believe me. My past. How many cars have I owned? I mean, if there was a $500 car on the side of the road, I was buying it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, I came out of that, that lifestyle. Yeah. That's where I was. I mean... Uh, I mean, my wife and I, we have that testimony. We knew, believe me, it's not one that, <laughs> not that everyone wants to have that testimony. But I, 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 you know, when people say, man, your car is a classic, well, not by choice. <laughs> wow, that car is pretty old. Well, yeah, there's a difference between old and classic. I've driven old things. <laughs> but you know what? When I learned the things of God, I'd have to drive that breaking down uh, gas guzzling, oil burning. 180,000 miles on it, you know, uh, 007 smoke screen coming out of the back of it. I've told you that story. I got pulled over one time in a car I was driving because a state trooper was following me. I did nothing wrong. He pulled me over, and, 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 and I'm sitting there at the wheel, you know, and he, he pulled me over. And then once I had stopped, he pulled his car up, motioned me to put down my window. I'm like... It actually had power windows. I, I, I don't know how it had power windows and how that was still working, but it was. And I put down the power window. He's like, man, I've been behind you for two miles, and I've got a splitting headache. And he just took off. He tore away. Thank you, Lord, for my car. Thank you, Lord, for this car. It is a blessed car. It is a good car. I thank you for it because I'm not walking today. That's how you qualify for something better. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I got pulled over one, the night I got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues for the first time in my life. Uh, I was driving an 86 Chevy cargo van. I mean, it had no paneling on the wall, or on the, on the, you know, the sides of the car. I mean, in the inside, there was no insulation. It was a... Uh, a piece of sheet metal and the outside. And we would sit in the, the whole back of it. There was no seats in it except one in the way back. Yeah, and uh, we, we were leaders of a youth group then, and the youth group, the youth group called it the poop van. <laughs> because it was literally the color of, well, you know. And uh, uh, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I had been struggling because, you know, in the denomination I was raised, I mean, my goodness, you didn't speak in tongues. You didn't do that. And so I got filled with the Spirit, started speaking in other tongues. I'm driving down the road. Uh, I'm in Mayville, and I get into Westfield, and I, I see a car up ahead of me, a cop car, about, I don't know, six or eight van lengths ahead. Creeper van. That's another one people call it. <laughs> the creeper van. And uh, I got there. And uh, uh, sure enough, I saw that cop car. He, like, pulled over the side of the road. I didn't think much of it. I just drove right by him. I looked over, and uh, he pulled out uh, uh, behind me, threw on his lights. Here I am speaking with tongues for the first time in my life, and, and there is uh, red and blue lights dancing around my car. I'm pulled over. I'm like, my goodness, what's going on? I know it wasn't speeding. This guy comes up to, to my van. He says, you've been drinking? No. 
What, what have you been smoking? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you know, nothing. He, you know, he's, got, he's given me the maglite interrogation. <laughs> now, before I was saved, now, this is anything I was, I'm proud of, but before I was saved, now, of course, I've gotten delivered to this. I'd been pulled over, I think, 31 times. <laughs> now, aren't you glad for Jesus? And so I'm in that, and he's like, what do you smoke? And I'm like, here I am. I've been saved, born again. I'm living for God. I don't have anything on me. I haven't been doing anything bad. I've been filled with the Spirit. The only thing I've been doing is speaking in tongues, you know? After being raised a Baptist, you know? I mean, it was a miracle going on in there. And so here I, so here I was, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm in there. And after he just will not believe me that I'm not on something, he says, rev your van. Rev my van? And that van was in pretty good shape. So here I am. I mean, it's a big, you know, V8. And I'm, boom. And the cop, he looks at me, he's like, he's like, do you hear that? I said, well, yeah. (laughs) I'm sitting in the car. I mean, you know, in those vans, I mean, the engine is literally right there. I mean, you set, your your cup holder is on the the doghouse. They call it the doghouse. And the engine, I mean, you just pull back your cup holder and you got a small block V8 right there. Like, of course I can hear it. He's like, yeah, did you hear that exhaust leak? Well, I didn't really think there was. That van was actually in good shape, though it was funny. It was good. Hey, you know what? Give me a car with chrome bumpers any day. This plastic revolution in cars, we've got to get back to the old Detroit steel because I, I, I'm, I, I'm, you know, praise God for my car, but it's got plastic bumpers. I want chrome bumpers. But, you know... Uh, yeah, so I start revving my van. So I didn't really know that there was an exhaust leak. He said, that's what you got. Yeah. <laughs> he, says, he, says, he says, you have carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, if there was ever an excuse, because he wanted to find out what was in that van. He says, and you know what else what you don't have? I said, what do I not have? He said, a license plate on the front. Have you seen this thing? <laughs> do you think that's my biggest problem? <laughs> so why am I telling you all this? Get content. Here we were serving in the ministry. We were leaders in the Fredonia Church, and Here you are. You can believe in prosperity. And though it hasn't shown up yet. But you have to believe it has. You have to believe. Lord, thank you for this van. Thank you for this van. I thank you it's a blessed van. I don't care what the criticism is, you know. Amen. Well, I was pastoring here and driving, you know, however many old that car was, that Buick that I had. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I, I thought I was being Mr. Uh, Joe Schmo blessing by giving it away. Six months later, the frame, like the car, broke in half. 
And Sarah, of course, is here. A lot of you know she was the recipient of that car. But she was happy with it. <laughs> it got, six months later, now, wasn't it, didn't it get to the point where you had the steering wheel completely cranked to the left and the car kept going straight? <laughs> like, you would turn around the corner and the frame would still go straight. Like, the wheels would be pointing over here and the front end would be over here. Now, it wasn't like that when I gave it away. Not that she did anything to it. But I mean, you know, however many years that car was, I mean, 15 years or whatever, and thank you, Lord, I'd pull in church. Thank you, Lord, for my car. Thank you, Lord, for my car. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. It's blessed. It's blessed, man. I, I uh, uh, we, uh, sorry. I just, this is just fun up here. We, we had gotten, uh, we had lived over uh, in town, and uh, the person that owned that car, she lived right around the corner and never knew it. And she pulled around the corner one day, and she stopped. She's like, oh, oh my goodness, you have my car? And I had just gotten it, and that car was, you know, good shape for a little while, you know. <laughs> and and, and uh, she's like, oh, I just babied that car. I cherished that car. And I got thinking, she's like, if you ever get rid of it, make sure you let me know. <laughs> well, I didn't let her know. Just uh, thinking, my goodness, if that lady saw what happened to that. <laughs> she's like, my baby, my yeah. baby. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> I mean, it looked like Godzilla stepped on that frame. All right, let's close. But I tell you, aren't you just glad to laugh? Yeah. Uh, you know, here we are preaching about fear. <laughs> Verse 6. <laughs> I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Who cares what people think of you? Who cares if you're preaching prosperity and you're driving a piece of junk? Who cares if you're not living in the biggest house in town? Who cares? <laughs> you know, just because those things, that's the way circumstances are. That doesn't mean that's the way things are always going to be. Just get content. Contentment defends against fear. Hallelujah. How are you going to resist that fear that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. That you may boldly say. Didn't say that you'll just say. Didn't say you'd whisper. Now believe me, you know, don't get into the, you know, the grocery line. I mean, that's just weird. People get flaky. They'll, they'll be in the grocery line and, I cast down fear! <laughs> I mean, wait, ha- have some tact, right? The Lord is my helper. <laughs> so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I can't tell you how much I want to run and hide after this, this service. So if I'm not, actually, I do have an appointment. So if I'm running out of here, I will not 
fear what man shall do unto me. I, I, yeah, it's just one of those nights where everything's funny, you know. And, but seriously. Let's just stand up and worship God. Let's stand up and worship God. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you. Father, we thank you that we can laugh. Lord, we thank you that you are anointed with the spirit of glad, the oil of gladness above your fellows. Father, we're full of joy. We're full of contentment. We are content, Father, because you have said you'll never leave us, never forsake us, that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man will do unto me. I will not fear. Father, we understand that fear is a spirit. And when it comes against us, we say, spirit of fear, I rebuke you. Get behind me. God didn't give you to me. You don't belong to me. Therefore, I don't receive you and I don't accept you. Spirit of fear, be gone in Jesus' name. Father, for we know the root of all bondage is fear. But we've been delivered. We've been delivered. We have not received again the spirit of fear unto bondage, Father God, but we've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Glory to God. 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 Praise you, Lord. Father, we just give you all the praise tonight. We give you all the glory. With every head bowed and eye closed, just before we close here tonight, I just want to make sure that we're all uh, born again and walking in a relationship with Jesus. This has definitely been a different service. But it's been good. It's good to laugh. You know, there's a bunch of people out there going to church with pickled faces. Why would we be pickled faced when we're redeemed? Why would, we, why would we act like we're at a funeral when Jesus is alive? Hallelujah. But if you're here tonight, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. If you've never accepted him in your heart, tonight's your opportunity. This place, you know, everyone that I, I look around and see, and I, I know most everybody, but I don't know everybody, but I see a lot of people that have made this decision. And that's why they're, they're so filled with joy here tonight. And if you're here and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, we're not here to embarrass you. We're not trying to make a spectacle out of you or anything. But if you know you need Jesus in your life, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. We need to understand that it's a decision with our heart God is after. You cannot perform a ritual to get yourself right with God. There's not enough candles to light. There's not enough incense to burn. There's not enough money to give. There's not enough days in the week to go to church. There's not enough works you could ever do to earn your salvation, but that you call upon Jesus. You ask him into your heart. Give your life to him. If you're here tonight and you've never made that decision, I'm not going to pull you out of your seat. I'm not going to come and, you know, pull you up to the, the front of the building or anything here tonight or give you a microphone. But if you're here and you know you want to make Jesus your Lord, I'm going to ask you to simply raise your hand. Eyes are closed. The heads are bowed. If you want Jesus in your life, you've never made him the Lord of your life, could you just simply lift your hand? As soon as I see your hand, I'll have you put it right back down. I'll lead this congregation in a prayer. You can pray right there in your seat. Ask Jesus to come into your heart and begin a new life with him. If that's you, could you lift your hand? Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. 
you know, by, by an uplifted hand. It's not about joining an institution. It's about joining the family of God. It's about saying, Lord, I need you in my life. Lord, I want to go a different way. Believe me, I'm so glad God provided a different way. There was a time in my life I was hooked on booze and hooked on drugs and hooked on a whole bunch of bad lifestyles. But I'll just tell you what, it was the power of Jesus that set me free, gave me more joy. I'm so glad. I lived that life, and I've lived this life. I've been faithful to God for 10 years, and I'll tell you what, it's been the best 10 years of my life. And I'll tell you what, as you serve God and, and, and learn about Him, life will get better and better. Better and better. Is there anybody else here tonight that didn't lift your hand? You know you, you need to. You know you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If that's you, go ahead and just join this other individual. Put that hand in the air. I want to pray for you. God loves you so much. He's so good. Father God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your goodness. We did have a, a person respond. Let's all pray this. If you lifted your hand, pray these words out of your mouth. Speak them to the Lord. You're not performing a ritual. You're talking to God. Your faith is going to be heard in heaven here tonight. Let's all pray this together. Make sure, don't just think these words. Speak them out of your mouth. We're all going to be speaking them with you. Everyone pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, Father, I believe believe that Jesus Christ Christ is Lord. Lord. I believe in my heart heart that you raised him from the dead dead so that I could be saved. saved. Lord Jesus, Jesus, come into my life. life. Wash me. me. Cleanse me. me. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. I will serve you. I will live for you. I will learn about you the best I know how. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Uh, I know we're going late, but we always say, is there such a thing around here? <laughs> is there such a thing? We're going to take up an offering. The Bible says... Uh, it's right when we've been taught to, to, to sow. You do know that on Wednesday nights, I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a church service. And so if you have tithes and offerings, of course we bring them. Uh, I have my white envelope. I bring the tithe of my income. That's tenth, a tenth part of all the increase I've received since Sunday. And um, in my yellow envelope is just an offering that I give above and beyond that as, as seed to sow. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord God. Father, for this night, thank you for the word. We are free from fear. And Lord, we know what to do when fear rears its ugly head. Father, we thank you. We've had some laughs along the way. We thank you. We just have joy by the Spirit of God. Lord, we thank you. We are content. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. Father, we thank you. You're our provider. And tonight, as we present our tithes and offerings, Lord, we declare that you're our provider. You've provided the jobs we have, the the houses we live in. You provide the clothes we wear, the food we eat. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, we thank you, and we all say together, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack as I sow seed into good ground. I expect a harvest. Seed you go and produce harvest. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.
Brothers, you may serve the people. We are not going to be staying uh, for prayer tonight. We're going to be just taking the next uh, couple weeks off. Of course, uh, we won't be here for prayer meeting tonight. Uh, no Faith and Healing School next week. If you can make it up to Fredonia by 7 p.m. Uh, for the Reverend Randy Greer meeting, you'll be blessed if you do. Uh, also, a reminder, no uh, Sunday school this coming Sunday, but get ready for uh, the Good Friday service. Uh, down at the Reg Lene, 7 p.m., folks, you need to be there. You need to get someone there that's a ministry of the church. Hallelujah. Uh, say, well, Pastor Tim, everyone I invited, you know, they just won't come. Well, then you be there. It helps visitors, because every year, half of that congregation there at that Good Friday service, they're not family church people. And so it helps them to see other folks in attendance. Amen. Praise the Lord. Folks, we love you. God bless you. You're dismissed.